Coming to you live from the Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain! And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini! Thank you. Yes, welcome to Top of the Food Chain on the Vegas Video Network. I am your host, Al Mancini. And as Scott said, we are coming to you live from our studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip. If you're anything like me, you've probably been wondering exactly how many steps we are. Oh, my God. I had a little bit of free time before the show today, so I actually decided to pace it out. We are the, the, from, from the Las Vegas Strip to our front door of the main building here is 435 steps. And then once you open the door, it's another 43 steps to make it to our studio. So, yes, okay. just steps. If you're planning on walking it out, now you know. Okay. That and Scott, cool. you know the intro to Pub Crawl says that they are just inches from the Las Vegas Strip, so I now challenge them to go out there well, with a big tape measure and figure <laughs> out exactly how many inches they are from the strip, man. Because we all have nothing else to do, so tape measure it is for everybody. That's why I'm a little sweaty. It's a, those 435 <laughs> steps are a little much. My hair might be a little flopsy, but, um, but you know, just for the sake of our, our viewers out there, I want to make sure they have an accurate count. So that's what I do for my fans or people who just happen to tune in. I thank so, you and we thank you. Anyway, thank you. You are at the Vegas Video Network. And we are live, which means we've got a live chat going on, people. If you are watching us live right now, Get in the chat room. Um, a little sad news for you, Vic Vegas won't be joining us. So your Vic Vegas questions, sorry, you're gonna have to save them till hopefully next week. He is somewhere between Barstow and here on the I-15 last I spoke to him. So Vic couldn't make it, but that's cool. We have um, Michael Fry, the owner of Rum Bar, will be with us talking about rum. And you know, it's, I work really hard to come up with new and exciting alcohols that I can have experts come and get me drunk on the air to talk about. And we haven't done rum yet on the show, so we're gonna be doing rum tonight. Um, if you got any questions, again, the chat line. Also, we love, um, in future, you know, we love for future episodes to have people who can't get in the chat room just email us with any questions you have and we will get to them. And that is food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. Again, you can watch all of our past shows um, at VegasVideoNetwork.com. You can watch them on YouTube. You can watch them on iTunes. I archive them at AlMancini.net. You can listen to them at KSHP, 1400 AM. They, they play all of the Vegas Video Network shows uh, Friday night. They just string us all together back to back, and it's like one big Vegas Video Network sandwich. So you got nothing else to do on a Friday night but drive around in your car listening to AM radio. We will keep you amused. I promise you that. Also, I've just begun Twittering. God, Scott, there's so much. I know I'm like two years behind on this one, but it's just so much stuff. In the past year, I had to start a blog, and then a second blog, and a website. And, these shows that I'm doing and Facebooking, and now you got a Twitter all the time. You, sir, are a media god. It is just getting to be too much to handle. It really mm -hmm. is, man. Mm -hmm. It really is. But um, you can follow me on, at Twitter, and that is Al Mancini Vegas. So just A-L-M-A-N-C-I-N-I-V-E-G-A-S with the little at sign in front of it, I guess, is how that Twitter thing works. <laughs> I'm really out of touch that's, with the Twitter that's stuff. Good, Al. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, Scott, how have you been, man? Let's get started with today's show. Recovering from a fantastic weekend. We had, a good, we had a good time this weekend. Yeah, and I have to thank you again publicly. I did it on my show a couple days ago, but we had a great time. We, as in the Royal We, uh, <laughs> at the, uh, the uh, what was it? Caesar's, Caesar's Palace. Palace. 
cabanas and we had giant fruit punch things that were as big as my torso. It was the best time ever. Yeah, I mean, an, you know, a punch bowl made out of solid ice, an ice bucket made out of solid ice. It was awesome. A bottle made out of solid vodka and a lot of punch and yes. a lot of heat. And Scott, thanks for coming out. More importantly, let's thank Franck Savoie yeah, and Selena sure. and Taylor and everybody over at Caesars Palace for setting us up with that. Um, I would go on more about it because it was really great. But honestly, you spoke at length about it on your show. So if anybody wants to see pictures, you want to see what I look like when my mohawk really flops out of being <laughs> after being in the pool, you can um, check that out on Scott's show, which is Living in Las Vegas. And that, again, is at VegasVideoNetwork.com. But yes, Scott, that was fun. And then you went out afterwards to a burlesque show. Burlesque I show. I mean, how, how, how rough a life do I lead? I start off big giant rumbles, and then I'm off watching burlesque. It could be worse. Life could be worse. And your, your wife was out of town, so you were able That's to right. stare at the boobies <laughs> without getting in any trouble, right? That's right. But well, she was, you know, she was uh, um, we talked about it on Pub Crawl as well, and she was in the audience, and she was quite okay with it. So I've been told. Haven't seen her since that show, though. <laughs> Haven't? No? Okay. So I don't know where she is. You didn't bring any pictures of the boobies to show on your show. Oh, my God, no. Same way that you did no. with the ice punch bowl. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let us take pictures. I asked. It takes all the fun out of burlesque, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> I wanted to take pictures. I asked to do video. They said, hmm, a little creepy. Well, I've, I've had a busy week myself, man, other than I didn't make the burlesque, unfortunately, but um, a lot of tequila for me this week. That's why we're doing rum today, because it's just been so much tequila going on in my life. I've been to two tequila pairings within the past week. I mean, these are multi-course meals paired with tequila. Um, the first one was over at Border Grill. Mary Sue and Susan were both out, and of course, Mike Miner, their chef, did a great tequila pairing. You can see photos from that. They're already up at almancini.net. And it's in my blog that's called The Second Deadly Sin over there. And also last night, have you been to Bar and Bistro downtown yet, Scott? I have not. They've got a great new chef over there, and um, he did a tequila pairing last night. And those photos should be up on my, my website and my blog probably within about 24 hours or so. So I'm all tequila out. I'm ready to do rum. How often do you go out and do either food or drinking stuff for your job? Um, I honestly could seven days a week. I mean, if I wanted to, there are events and grand openings and press dinners and all kinds of things. I mean, this weekend, you know, Ariel is doing its wine weekend, and I literally have six or seven events I could go to over the weekend just at one restaurant over the three-day period. But, right. you know, you just can't do it all the time. Right, right. Uh, I heard there was, uh, there was a couple of steak restaurant things going on right now as well, right? Well, that's the big news this week, really, is um, in the steakhouse front. Um, some interesting news. First of all, sad news. Matt Sieber has announced that, well, has actually left Kraft Steak, Tom Colicchio's restaurant. So in the MGM Grand, that of course that restaurant was one of the um, 50 essential restaurants in my book. Um, I I really enjoyed it for its Scotch program as much as its steaks. I'm not a well. We'll get to my general opinion on steakhouses, but Matt was a great chef, and um, he will. From what I hear through the grapevine, he's moving to Maryland, and his wife got into a PhD program. So there's no hard feelings between him and Colicchio, but I wish him the best. That is the sad news. But if you're a steakhouse lover. Some interesting news. Um, two announcements that came out yesterday right on the heels of each other. The first um, came from the folks at the Plaza, of all places, the currently under-renovation -ren Plaza. And we have a picture of this. This is just perfect. You see what that says? That's Oscars at the Plaza. This is going to be opening this fall. And who, of course, Oscar? What other Oscar would want to plaster his name all over downtown Las Vegas but our former mayor, Oscar Goodman? He's going into the steakhouse business. Um, and that should be opening in the fall. I don't know really what I think about that. I mean, Firefly occupied that space. It's this really cool saucer ah. section in the plaza, and it's got you know, a great view down onto the Fremont Street experience. 
Um, it was featured in the movie Casino when it used to be called Center Stage was the name of the restaurant. If you saw that scene, it's a pretty pivotal scene with Sharon Stone. Um, anyway, that's a very cool space, and now we've got another steakhouse, just what Vegas needs. And then right on the heels of that, we got news that um, Old Homestead, big New York institution, they also have one in Atlantic City, in the Borgata, I believe, in Atlantic City. I've been to the New York one, I haven't been to the AC one, but they're going to be opening in Caesars Palace, taking over Nero's. And all of this beg begs the question, do we need any more steakhouses in Las Vegas? Scott? Uh, well, I, I'm a carnivore. So, yes. <laughs> steakhouses, I, I, steakhouses must be the most boring form of restaurant well, Why do you on think that so many people are opening them up? Because they're cash cows, forgive the pun, for the casinos. <laughs> I mean, it is really, they, first of all, everybody, you know, middle America, you don't have to be a foodie, you don't have to be a gourmet to love a good steak. Everybody likes a good steak. People don't mind spending a ton of money on a good steak. And yes, they do have to spend money on quality ingredients, but I mean, the preparation time and the amount of experience the chefs really need to be able to slap a steak on and grill it up perfectly, it's pretty much, you know, in and out. I but mean, it's you, not. It's, I think it's hard to find a great steakhouse. Uh, I've been to a lot of steakhouses here. Um, some have been really, really good, and some have been like, uh, I've had this a thousand times before. To really separate yourself from the competitive herd, I think that's hard. I think it is hard to separate yourself, but I do not think it's hard to find a great steakhouse. I think I could come up with 25 great steakhouses in this town, all of which do a remarkable job, and they make a mean cut of steak, and they've got great quality beef, and they cook it perfectly. But yeah, they're all interchangeable. I mean, there's not a lot you can really do to get out from under it. And of those 25, you know, I used to say there's only about three steakhouses that I really recommend to people. It depends on what you're looking for. Now, I'd probably extend that to maybe five. I'm going to throw the list up there real quick if people are curious. In Las Vegas, and then I'll explain why I like each of them. The Circus Circus Steakhouse, in Circus Circus, obviously. STK over at the Cosmopolitan. Prime in Bellagio. Cut in the Palazzo. And Carnivino, also in the Palazzo. And I'll go through why I like each of these, because it goes beyond just making a great steak, because like I said, so many people do it. So since we had a little extra time, Vic Vegas is not here today, I figured I'd give it my, my two cents on what makes an outstanding steakhouse in Las Vegas. First of all, if you want an old Vegas vibe, and a lot of people tell me they're always looking for an old Vegas vibe, but it's got, people got to ask you that all the time, right? Where can I get the Rat Pack feeling, something all the like time. that? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's what they want. For me, Circus Circus is the place to go for a steakhouse. If, if you want old Vegas, it's great. I mean, the, the casino is a dump, and it's usually people <laughs> that are about maybe young couples, let's say, who look like they're barely old enough to drink that already have four kids of their own that they're dragging around. And you've got to run through all of that stuff, and it can be a nightmare. But once you get into the Circus Circus Steakhouse, it's this classic going back into the 50s and 60s, you know, just really, really great steakhouse. They dry age their beef in-house, which only one other place I know does that here in Las Vegas. And it is affordable. I mean, really affordable. The prices are much less than you'll pay elsewhere, and they also include like soup, salad, and a side dish. So, and great service there as well. Absolutely great. So it's Old Vegas. If you want a taste of Old Vegas and you want a steakhouse, I'll send you to Circus Circus. Cut is the exact opposite. Um, Wolfgang Puck's Steakhouse in the Palazzo, and it is just super modern. Uh, a lot of people like to say it's like he deconstructed a steakhouse, and it really is. It's just amazing. Dishes like um, bone marrow flan and things like that, and it, 
I, I think it's the coolest overall steakhouse in Las Vegas. It's just hip, it's cool, and I really recommend going there. I mentioned Prime in the Bellagio, and Prime is cool to me because it's really the only steakhouse that I think is very romantic. It's the only steak, most steakhouses are built for bachelor parties. Prime, you could, as I say in my book, Prime, you could actually get engaged, pop the question or go there on your anniversary. It's a very romantic, it's kind of patterned after a bordello. So if you're looking for romance, I'd send you to Prime. If you're looking for the exact opposite of romance, pure sexiness, I would send you to STK. It's got a cool DJ, um, nice vibe, very sexy vibe, caters to hot young women. So there are always beautiful young women in there for you to flirt with. Um, great place. That's the steakhouse that I took the porn stars to, if you check out my website and the video. Um, so that's a sexy one. And then, plain and simple, best steak. If what you really want is the absolute best piece of beef in this town, Carnivino, hands down. Their basic dry-aged beef, this is their very most basic dry-aged beef, is aged for six to eight weeks, which is about double to triple the norm. Dry aging, of course, gives steak an incredible flavor. They crust it with rosemary, sea salt, black pepper, char it up with a perfect little crust. That's absolutely amazing. If you're really lucky, you can get one of the reservas, which are dry aged for between six and eight months. And I actually had one that was dry aged for 15 months and just a steak experience like you'll never have. So those are my five choices for steakhouses. I welcome Oscar Goodman. I welcome the guys from Old Homestead. Um, let's give it a shot. Let's see if you guys can stand out from the crowd. I'll be in there writing about it. Hey, do you, uh, Jeff has asked on the chat, do you know how many different kinds of peppercorn sauce or rub there are? How many different kinds? Yeah, I mean, is, do you have a sense for the different ways that you might prepare that? No, I mean, I think every chef kind of has their own recipe for something yeah. like that. And, you know, sorry. I know that you can get as many as um, eight to ten different steak sauces over at STK. I think you can get five to six sauces and maybe another three or four custom mustards at Prime, at least you could last time I was there. But as far as the rubs, I really think that's sort of, sort of a chef's specialty and their creation with it. I also want to mention that when we mentioned that we've got the owner of Rum Bar, we had three people go, that's my favorite bar, that's my favorite bar, that's my favorite bar. Well, Rum Bar, Very yeah, cool. talking about cool, sexy, hot places to hang out and great for people watching too, a little bit, just kind of right out there outside. Well, you know what? Why should we, you and I talk about this? We'll have Michael back in a second and we will talk Rum and Rum Bar, okay? Can we hit a, can we hit a message, Scott? Let's do it, baby. Okay. Yeah. No pressure. Hi, I'm... <laughs> Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers from... Can't think of the name of my damn show. Off another four letter words, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network, I think. And we are back with Top of the Food Chain on the Vegas Video Network, and welcome again back to people listening to us at KSHP AM. We have with us today Michael Fry. Michael, how are you? A pioneer in this town. Thank you. Glad to be here. Owner of TNT Rum Bar. You got your start with a cigar shop, didn't you, here in Vegas? Oh, yeah, a long time ago. I started uh, with a little shop at the Caesars Palace and just sort of evolved into all kinds of things. Yeah, so you've done some great things and, you know, a lot of really cool spaces here. So it's great to have you, man. Glad to be here. So we're going to talk about rum today. Because okay. rum bar, sounds like you should know a little something about rum over there. I know how to drink it. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, we, we kind of all know how to drink it, but. 
I think a lot of people just think it's only for really fruity punches and stuff like that, but I mean, you've got a nice sel selection of really quality rum, correct? Right, we, we carry about 80 rums now, and rum has uh, undergone a real renaissance like tequila has. You know, 10, 15 years ago, there were like five, it was Bacardi and a couple other things, but now it's developed uh, so far that you get all kinds of different rums, you know, much like tequila. Um, let's talk with the very basics. What does it mean to be rum? Obviously, if you're, if you're tequila, you have to come from blue agave, for right. example. What makes something rum? Sugar. Uh, rum is an alcoholic distillate. Now, that's the fan fancy word from fermented sugar, uh, from cane, from uh, uh, sugar cane juice, uh, sugar, cane, sugar cane syrup, so all, all forms of sugar. Molasses they used to, to make rum at some point, right? Well, it starts out as sugar, and one of the processes of fermentation, um, actually af after it's fermented, as they go into distillation, there's like uh, crystalline um, sugar cells that they take out, and what's left over is molasses. Okay. Now, you would, uh, it's kind of strange, because you would think because rum is so naturally sh filled with sugar and created from sugar, it's almost sweet enough is that why it lends itself so well to sweet cocktails, or are we going overkill when we're just making fruity, juicy, sweet cocktails with it? You know, it's just, it just its chemical properties and, and the way it's uh, aged and fermented just mixes well with fruit. Or, you know, these days, the better the quality of the rum, all you need is a glass. Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing. Uh, people are really drinking aged rums now the way that they drink scotches and things like that, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and again, uh, scotches, tequilas, um, rums, any of, the, any of those brown spirits um, really lend themselves well to, to sipping. And, and then the interesting thing is the great rums uh, that you're seeing these days are aged in, um, what makes them good is that they're aged in different kind of barrels. So some are aged in whiskey barrels, some are aged in sherry barrels, some are aged in bourbon barrels. So they t the longer they're in that barrel, they take on the quality of what was in there before. So you get these great like hybrid tastes. Rum has a long history. I mean, it was almost used sort of as a currency at, at a certain point, right? I mean, in, in trade, it was very highly prized. It, it, it goes back to the times of Captain Jack Sparrow, you know? Yeah. Um, that's how they rewarded their sailors for doing uh, Good work, and you know, grog and rum, and went from there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to cut, change my deal with you, Scott. From now on, you're gonna pay me in rum for this show. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where should good rum come from? Most of what we see seems to come from the Caribbean or other places in South America, I suppose. Uh, mainly, we know rums from uh, the Caribbean islands, like Barbados and Martinique, and, and those areas, uh, Jamaica. Uh, but you, you get it all through Central America. Nicaragua has great rums. Um, Guatemala has fabulous rums. Uh, actually, I, I think rum was, a form of rum was actually developed, or you want to say invented, by the Aztec Indians in Guatemala. So it goes way back. Okay. When we first start talking about rums, if I walk into, you know, if I know, if I walk into, say, a tequila restaurant, and yeah. I'm going to see your añejos, and I'm going to see your reposados, and I'm going to see, you know, your, your blancos, usually in the opposite order, but um, are there types of rum, or do you separate your, um, your menu by different categories that people need to know about? 
Very similar again to tequila. You have uh, white rums, uh, which are your youngest rums, and, and, and to be a white rum, usually to be called a rum, I say it's very close. Wine and vodka have the same process, and they're very similar, but to be called a rum, it has to be in a barrel for at least a year. So um, when they extract it from the sugarcane juice, um, it comes out either pure white like this, or they'll put it into a barrel, like Bacardi makes so much white rum, they just put it in a big steel vat for a year. Uh, smaller companies will actually put it into a barrel for a year, and then um, they'll, they'll filter it through uh, carbon and, and, and get the impurities out so it goes back to being white again. And then you have aged rums uh, from the barrels, and, and the color, the natural color evolves from the length of time if they don't put in additives or other derivatives to change the color. Okay, we're gonna go through some samples, but first, Scott, we've okay. got a question over there? Yeah, a couple of them. Uh, Bill wants to know, uh, business question, what was the process of bringing rum bar to the Mirage? So, yeah, what, what made you think the Mirage would be the, the place that you wanna go for rum bar? Um, we wanted to do something that was a uh, Caribbean theme just because of the way the Mirage, the history of the Mirage and the way it looks. Um, and there's a lot of tequila bars, and rum has just become a very popular uh, uh, spirit lately, as, as you've noted. So we just, we wanted to do something in the Caribbean with great music, and it's a very unique setting, because we're, two-thirds of the place is outdoors. So you have the beautiful palm trees, and you have the waterfall, and you have the volcano, so it just became rum bar. So yeah, I guess rum makes sense in that yes. setting. Um, what's next, Scott? Uh, I actually have a follow-up. So did you have a relationship personally with Mirage, or did you pitch them on the idea? How did that all come about? Um, I knew the uh, president of the hotel was actually a customer of mine um, at uh, Casa Fuente, which is next door in the forum shops. And he and uh, some of his uh, hotel guests or some of his casino hosts, when they needed a break, would come over for a quick smoke. Uh, and uh, a rum or a scotch after work, and uh, you know we got to talking, and I said, well, why don't we do something like this at Mirage? Because it, you know, the whole thing lends itself to the Mirage setting. Well, now, given that you, you know, you have a cigar background and you sell cigars, do you ha offer cigars at Rum Bar? Yes, we have a humidor, uh, not a really big one, but we have about 32 different facings of cigars. Again, like light, medium, full-bodied, so there's always something for everybody. Okay, Scott, we have another person over there? We do, there? yeah. Maya wants to know, does Rum Bar have a rum tasting menu? Uh, we d sometimes we do specialty flights, and then every month what we do is uh, feature a special rum. And we'll do it, you can either get it neat, or you can, we try to, our mixologists come up with three or four different cocktails um, featuring that specific rum. Okay, so I want to take a look at a couple of the rums that you've brought. Sure. Now, we'll start with the light rum. Right. So what we have going on here is a um, Monte Cristo. Right. Uh, from the famed cigar making house. Right. And this comes out of? Guatemala. Guatemala. Okay. Yes. They're, Monte Cristo cigars come out of someplace else, don't they? Uh, and I know the, they originally came out of Cuba, but today well, they still make the, them elsewhere. Uh, the cigars it? are made both in Cuba and the Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, okay. Yes. And the rum came from Guatemala because uh, when this rum was developed, uh, Guatemala actually had the largest stockpile of uh, rums uh, in the world. Uh, two families that controlled the rum business there went back, one of them, 100 years. So 
they had so much rum that they actually had the ability to mix uh, many different kinds of rums. Okay. Now, is this a good sipping rum? No, you know, this is actually one of the smoothest white rums, but this actually is perfect with um, a cola, and it makes the best uh, Cuba Libre. Again, it's very smooth for a white rum, but it's only been aged for about a year. Okay. And then what else have you brought with us today? Um, today? Just some different I, samples. This is like a little bit heavier than the amber rum. This is the Mount Gay uh, Extra Old, which is from Barbados. And again, these were uh, aged in charred uh, barrels that give it that beautiful burnt taste. And the color is natural from being in, in, in charred uh, barrels. So a lot of people grew up on the regular Mount Gay, but this is a much more flavorful uh, in-depth uh, rum with a lot, strong flavor profile. May I try it? Oh, absolutely. You want to open it up? You're the professional uh, here. Um, like, uh, like I said, I'm only a professional <laughs> drinker. Uh, uh, okay. Well, if, uh, if we can't pop that one. Well. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> let's see what we can do with it. Oh, here we go. The beauty of live television, my friends, the beauty of live television. What we will do to get our hands on some rum. And you know, what's really amazing is with these older rums, they go great with desserts. Like just recently, I had a chocolate beet cake. With <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Today, I did it. Yes. yes. And how smooth was that? That was smooth. Yes. But, but, but rum really mixes well with both the um, vegetal notes of beets and the smooth cocoa notes of uh, chocolate. And I will be trying that chocolate beet cake directly after this. Unfortunately, I had... I, was sampling ice cream before I got here, and I couldn't eat the cake with you yeah, yeah. when we got here, but I'll be eating the cake just short. Oh, wait, here we go. Here comes our chocolate. Thank you, Sally, for the chocolate beet cake. And so, okay. If only Michael Jackson were here to have his beet cake. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael is here in spirit. He's on my shirt, but he just has a big fly in front of his face on the shirt. You can't really see him there, but. Okay, so what should I be looking for in here? Well, I mean, immediately you get that pungent nose, and you can just tell that this has been uh, in a cognac. I, I think this this one yeah. comes from a cognac. You get that real cognac-y full taste. Right. I mean, smell on the palate. Oh, that's nice. But yeah, yeah really smooth. It's almost like you're drinking a cognac It's or like something. a cognac. And then you take a little piece of this homemade chocolate beet cake. Mm. And it goes perfect with the rum. That's good. <laughs> and this beet cake, again, was inspired by last week me saying I didn't like beets on the air. And Sally said, I'm going to make you chocolate beet cake. And it goes great. Thank you, darling. Also, okay. Now, what else do we have going on here? Now, this, now you, you mentioned whiskeys before. And I'm a huge whiskey fan. And you know, I used to go to Craft Steak at um, just to have a great steak, and they had one of the greatest selections in Vegas. And at Casa Fuente now, I've built a huge collection of, of whiskeys. But rum started, um, I, like I said, it developed to the point where people were looking for stronger uh, flavor profile. And Cruisin' Single Barrel is sort of like the Jack Daniels um, model, where each barrel has its own individual taste. So they take their best rums, put them in the barrels, and they acquire the taste characteristic of, of the woods and stuff. So cruising single barrel is just what it says. Are it's rums normally blended from different barrels then? In the way that a normal Jack Daniels Black Label would be blended, but then they make single barrel where right. it's not blended. So are rums generally blended in order to get the, the right flavor? 
In general, yes, but then then they come with a single barrel like this. Then it's it's a one-time shot from that from that barrel. Okay, I'm well, sure you want to taste this I too. I think I do. Yes, okay. I think I must. Now, had I been smart, I would have opened all these before we went on the air. Oh, but that's okay. this one was much easier to open. Yeah, that was quite and easy. And that's individually numbered. Is that numbered from the barrel? Yes. There? Yes. So it tell, it gives you uh, the barrel and uh, certified by the master blender. So then if you like this one, you can go through Lee's Liquor and try to find one from the exact same barrel, maybe, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Because this is going to be different every time you drink it because right. of that single barrel characteristic. And, and believe it or not, it goes great with beet cake. <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't go great with beet cake, really? Asparagus. Asparagus? <laughs> Cheers, thank you. And that's a little sweeter on the nose right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, it doesn't have. So this was probably aged in um, in um, uh, a bourbon barrel or charred um, by itself in in a clean barrel. A lot of times, what they do is just take a brand new American oak barrel, and they're all American oak, and they'll just char the inside, just like Jack Daniels does, right. and put the rum in there. Now, do any producers, for example, the, the way that tequila producers will buy used Jack Daniels barrels? Does right. anybody do oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of companies do. And they buy sherry uh, casks from France and all kinds of things like that. Okay. And Scott, another, another chat question there. What yeah. Can we yeah, Jeff wants to know, is there a rating system like there is for wine? Um, people love rating systems. So uh, very, if you go online and check out uh, rum sites, you'll see that... Um, People do rate them, just like uh, you see in Cigar Aficionado or Wine Spectator. You, you do get rating systems like that. Okay, and do you have a favorite? Favorite rum? No, a favorite rating system? No. Favorite site uh, that you like that you'd use as a resource? My, my favorite rating system is my palate. Right. So what, what, what I like is, is the way I rate them. What are we talking price range in a bar of your quality? How? I mean, you know, you can get cognacs that'll be $10,000 a shot or something. Um, you know, how, how much for a single, you know, rum straight up? What's the, what can it, I expect low end, high end? You know, the taste profiles have developed as, as uh, rum ascends the quality um, scale. But, uh, you know, usually you can get a great, we have great rums for $7. And we have, uh, I think our most expensive rum is $50 maybe. Whereas in it, like Casa Fuente, I have seven hundred dollars scotches, but mm -hmm. you know rum's not just to that; it's not to that level yet. But you know, anywhere from seven to forty, fifty dollars. And uh, forgive me if you said this already. What? How long should a rum be aged? You talked, spoke about the minimum of a year, but do we have like the super age, the seven years, the fifteen years, the twenty years? Yes, um, it, it, it's sort of like the same like uh, scotches. I, you find really great rums at uh, three years, but in, like I said, the, like Monte Cristo 12-year-old, what they did is, um, I said that, f that family down in Guatemala, they, they had rums from all over. So what they do is take and mix it from different years. So Monte Cristo 12-year had uh, some of, was made by the same people who, have, who make Ron Zacapa which is an, a 23-year-old blend. So they have like 8% of that. Then they take 80% uh, uh, of, uh, I'm sorry, 90%, uh, wait, 80-something percent of, uh, see, we've had- you say 12% originally? I've had too much beet cake. Yeah. Um, 
but what they do is, is they blend it, and then they put, um, they, so they had a 12-year and a 23, and then they put a three to five-year solera in there just to bring up the floral notes. So that's how you, and it was a beautiful blend. So it's okay. like taking different years and, and blending it. So it's not like the single malt concept. It's just a great right. blended rum. Well, it's similar to, say, a Johnny Walker Blue, which right. they'll mix with even very, very young scotches with their very old. And right. that's why there's never an age on something like that. that. And so you don't really, well, you do see an age on some of these, like this 12-year, but the other ones, you don't necessarily know how old they are because of the blending process. And rum is not like wine, for example, where one year was a great year and another year wasn't a good year. I mean, the sugar no, doesn't no. change the way a grape changes or no, anything like no. that. Okay. Um, people always want to talk about cocktails. And I know, you, how, many, how many rum cocktails do you do over there at Rum Bar? I think we have about 15 to 17 uh, specialty cocktails. We have quite an extensive list uh, in addition to non-rum rum rum, tenda beet cake. Um, so we have about, uh, you know, 14 to 17. And then, that, like I said, every month we come up with three or four new ones. Okay, well, we brought up, um, you brought over a couple recipes, which I've now adopted as my own. Um, first one I'm not going to make here because we don't have all the bar equipment. I don't have a muddler and that kind of stuff. But a mojito, really, the most basic rum drink that people always want. They go out and, you know, bartenders pride themselves on being able to make a great mojito. And I know bartenders who do an amazing job, and I'm not trying to belittle them because some bartenders are much better than others. But it's a pretty easy drink to make at home. Yes, you just so, have to have a strong arm. Yeah, and this is basically it. You get um, your four lime cubes, your one ounce, what is the guarapa? You see, you brought this one up over here to me, so I don't know this. What is one ounce of guarapa? G-U-A-R-A-P-A. I have no idea. You have no idea? No, okay, no, it's no. on your recipe that okay. I've now adopted as my own, so that's okay. You could do it without that. Don't worry, people. I've done it. Um, then you get fresh mint leaves. Fresh mint leaves are absolutely essential to um, a good mojito. And then, in this case, we use the Monte Cristo 12-year, some crushed ice, and some club soda. And I, really... I figured out what Garoppa was. Oh, what was that? I think that was a misspelling for the brand of simple syrup, oh, which okay. is the, the, the sugary... Oh, okay. So a little... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes. I used to make these during my failed one week as a bartender. Right. A lot of people use sugar, uh, right. regular white sugar, but it's, it's easier to go with simple yes. syrup. And when you're making it at home, really, what, the only thing you need to do is you need the fresh mint leaves. You throw the limes in the bottle of the glass. You throw, um, if you're going to use sugar or the syrup, then you would throw that in and you throw the mint leaves on top of that. And you take a muddler, which is really just like a crushy little stick thing or metal thing, and you just you shove it in there and you kind of muddle it up, and it's easy enough to do at home. You just crush it on down. And as soon as you're done with that, you um, um, pretty much put the ice on top, put some crushed ice on, you pour in your rum, and then you splash off a little bit of club soda, and there you go. You or got a seven up, yeah. Or seven up if you have it. And um, really easy to make, great drink, very summertime, incredible drink during yes. the summertime. And I'm going to give you one mojito tip. Okay. Most restaurants you go to, or more, most places from Miami to the Las Vegas Strip, they usually put in a less expensive white rum. But what we do at Rumbar and at Casa Fuente, which, and we have two of the best mojitos in town, don't be afraid to use a 12-year rum. It makes your mojito taste better. And people are so uh, programmed to have, oh, it's got to be white. Well, there's nothing wrong with having an amber-colored mojito. It's why not use a better, you know, a better uh, rum 
and have a better drink. So that, that's my little secret tip there. Okay. And now we've got another one coming up here. And I'm going to try this. I have ne not made this before myself. We're going to throw this up. First, let me read the background. This came from your um, mixologist right. here. This is a Latin Manhattan. It's described as slightly sweeter, spicy, sipping cocktail for those who appreciate great rum and cocktails with subtlety and a lingering finish. Um, so yeah, Cruzan single barrel rum, stirred with Caribbean spices, fresh lime, almonds, a dash of bitters, a splash of Jamaican ginger beer. So there, you got it up there. You can pause it at home when you need it. You get your single barrel rum. You got your falernum. What is the velvet falernum? It's a, it's a liqueur that has a, its own unique taste. OK. I'm learning something brand new every time I'm here. Do we have that, some with yeah, us? Yes, right there. Can we show people the bottle there? There you go. There you go. Moving that light on me. So OK, so this is a, a liqueur. You can get this. And this is from Barbados as well. Yes. You can get this in a Lee's or something like yes, that, someplace yes. like that, or your whole, or whatever, your supermarket. Yep. Lee's carries Lee's. it. Okay. So I'm going to try this bad boy. Now, keep in mind, the last time, and I wrote about this in my column once, the last time I tried to bartend, I had to resign in disgrace after about <laughs> a week because I tried it over at First Bar and Grill when I first um, was a little out of work for a while, a couple years back, and um, Sammy was nice enough to give me a job. And I sucked, people. I sucked at bartending. But, you know, I kind of watch the way they do it at Pub Crawl, and they seem to eyeball it. Scott, they're not exactly <laughs> pros over there. So um, that has inspired me. So I'm going to try this, OK? So we're going to take, take my little glass. And OK, I should clear out a little space so people can see what I'm doing here. We are professionals here. This is about how well I bartended at first. OK, so yeah, we, we don't need salt and pepper no. for that. OK, oh, now I spilled the salt. Bad luck. Um, okay, so we got the Cruzan. So we take about an ounce and a half of this. We start off with a little ice in both of our glasses, right? Yep. yep. Don't have quite much with us today, but there you go. A little bit of ice for you. A little bit of ice for me. It's on the tablecloth. Scott, you do wash this tablecloth between shows, right? I do indeed. All righty. I don't believe you, but that's okay. At least so, every season. Yeah, yes. We have to get rid of the Right. So we get about an ounce and a half. Let's go. That uh, looks okay to me. That's very good. Okay. Ounce and a half here. Looks okay to me. Maybe a little on the heavy side, but that wouldn't be the first time I've done that with a drink. Um, okay. Then two ounces of this liqueur, falernum. How do you pronounce it? Falernum. Falernum. Okay. So a little more of that bad boy. And we give you about two ounces of this baby right there. Give me about two ounces of this baby right here. Uh, Vic Vegas is upset that he missed this show now. Vic's out on I-15, missing out on the rum tasting. He, he might not be upset if we die from this drink. Well, you should see, seriously, okay. you can come back one time on Scott's other show he produces, Pub Crawl, and you should see the things they drink. They were drinking okay. blue Long Island iced teas this past week, so right. nothing that we do is going to kill us. So then we get about two ounces of ginger beer. We've got ginger ale here right now, but, ooh, exploding away on me. So there we go. We'll give you about two ounces of that, baby. We'll give you some bubbles in there. I used to have some really good ginger beer from North Carolina at home, but I couldn't find it when I was looking today. A, li a little tip, you know, it's, it's good to put this in a shaker before you put it in and over crushed ice. Right. But we're roughing it. We're here. roughing it we're, here, hey. man. This is, you know, this is the way we do it. Two dashes of bitters. I do have a shaker. It's down in my car, actually. But OK, dash, dash. Dash, dash. 
That might have been a little too much, but okay. And we got juice of a half a lime. We got lime juice right here. Okay. We're going to call that properly measured for the sake of argument. Okay, and then we'll just mix it up a little. Mix it up. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, the Latin Manhattan. And it even rhymes. That is a really good drink. Pretty darn good. It's pretty good considering I was eyeballing it and didn't know what I was doing. Very good. So next time I need a job bartender, maybe I'll call you. Absolutely. At least last 10 days. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that was a sad, sad experience, me <laughs> trying to bartend there. So um, you hear um, words like um, Ron Viejo or Ron Añejo. Those just basically refer to aging or yes. rested? Yes. Just like uh, Añejo and tequila. You know, it's just old, right? aged. Now, you spoke a bit about doing flights. Yes. Uh, when I do flights of tequila, you know, a lot of times, or even wines, there are different types of flights. You could do vertical flights. You could do you know, heights, flights by how aged the same rum is. You could do flights by things from the same neighbor region. Um, how do you suggest people assemble a flight, or how do you like to assemble a flight for your customers? You know, it's a little bit trickier. Um, it's a little bit trickier with rum. Um, what I try to do is to get them to try a particular brand and just taste the difference between the whites or the seven. Or take the Nicaraguan rum, um, um, or some, uh, now my mind went blank. But uh, the, you know, ones that have multiple uh, uh, vintages where it's like three, seven, 12, 15. And, and that's the way I like to take them through the process. Uh, Florida Kanye, excuse me. Right. So like Florida Kanye has five or six different years uh, that they produce. Uh, and you can really tell how an aroma ages over the years. So I, that's the way I like to do it. And I, I think I recommend to people all the time when you're trying new beverages of any type, or when you, for example, when you're learning tequilas. When, you're, when I first learned tequilas, all tequila tasted like tequila to me. I could not tell the difference between a Blanco, a Reposado, or a Niejo when I first tried it. But when you put the exact same tequila that's been aged different years next to each other, your, your taste buds are able to figure out the difference. And then in the future, you know what you're looking for when you try that type of thing. And wines, it works the same way with. It's Absolutely. really a good way to train yourself to not just say all rum tastes like rum or all tequila tastes like tequila, right. but to try it in a flight form is really, you know, or just go out and practice a lot. So I recommend everyone go to rum bar at least 60 nights a year and, <laughs> right. and try everything and enjoy the volcano well, show. I'm, you've got a lot of cool programs over there, a lot of cool specialty nights. Let's, you know, because we're running out of time, let's tell people that some of the cool things you got going on over there. You know, we just, you know, it's such a unique location. We just try to be the anti-club. There's so many great nightclubs. This is, I, we just wanted to create uh, a place where people could hang out in this unique setting. And every night we try to give it a different feel. Like uh, tonight is Thursday night, is reggae night. Uh, so we have a great reggae band, Malahalo, tonight. And last night was Latin night. And tomorrow night our DJ does a throwback Fridays where it's music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So every night we try to just do a different program. Uh, Are we doing like a gangster night or something too? Or well, we did, a James, own, uh, we did a James Bond James night Bond a couple night, nights okay. ago. Yeah. Uh, twice a month we do Bondage Tuesdays. Really? Yes. But it's not the kind of bondage I'm into. Uh, yes, James it is. Bondage. Actually, you know, we'll tie you up and play oh, James really? Bond. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds good, man. Beautiful DJ. Really? And she'll just be she wear here. a lot of leather? 
Yes, she, actually, she, she does. It's my kind of place. Yeah. Um, but before we let you go, we've got another question. Scott, what's cooking? Yeah, up? Melissa wants to know if there's a if there's a beet cake night there. <laughs> Do you know what? I think that this is going to spawn a whole revolution in beet cake. So uh, I'll try to get the word out, and we will have a beet cake night. That sounds good. Okay, well, I want to thank you for coming. Um, I want to remind everybody out there, my website is almancini.net. You can keep up with everything I'm doing there. Read all my articles. I link to them. Um, I'm on City Life, of course. That's where my shrimp farm article came out today, which I forgot to mention earlier, but we've been talking about it in past weeks, so you can read it. I don't know if you know about the new shrimp farm up in North Las Vegas. I, I, did, I, did, I did hear about that. It's pretty cool. Well, I write about it in today's City Life, and, of course, that's where you read my restaurant reviews. And everything links through almancini.net. And of course, my book. You must have a copy of my book, Eating Las Vegas, The 50 Essential Restaurants. There it is. Um, we still got a few months before the new edition comes out. That one is still extremely valuable right now. You can get that on Amazon. Um, I swear, I think it's like 10 bucks and change. So really, you can't go wrong with that. And thanks so much for coming out, man. Uh, I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen who are awaiting Vic Vegas, I believe he will be here next week. Well, I don't know if he'll survive another week on the show, but we will be talking about him whether he does or does not. Hopefully, next week he'll be here. So tune in for that. In the meantime, tune in to the rest of the Vegas Video Network shows.